Hello, welcome to Mortality and Tea. I'm your host, Amy Manning. This is a show where we discuss mortality and our own death experience in order to find a more rich and juicy life. And today on the show, I'm honored to have a dear friend of mine, Scotty Mays. Scotty is a person in long-term recovery from substance use disorder and mental health disorder. He is an active member in the recovery community and does various public speaking events throughout the Southwest Ohio region. He is a father and a grandfather, a friend, an advocate. His hobbies include physical fitness, spending time with family, helping others, and stand-up comedy. All he strives to be is better than he was yesterday. This has been uh, a beautiful conversation. I hope you enjoy. Um, it's about finding peace in our life. Scotty really values having peace. And um, this was a conversation that was really kind of rooted in, in that, that, that feeling of wanting peace. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. Mortality and Tea with Amy. Welcome to the show, Scotty. It's really, uh, I'm really, really honored to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. It is an honor for me to be on your show. I've been looking forward to this since we talked about it. So um, thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, for our viewers, um, Scotty and I have known each other since middle school. Yeah. Yeah. Middle school, yes. So, you know, standing in gym class together, the awkward phases of middle school and high school. It's been an adventure. And then what a journey, too. yes. <laughs> Little did we know we were writing our own story back then. We just thought we were just going through life like we were supposed to, and it was going to be amazing when we were adults. It was... <laughs> A lot of time later. Like, what does it say here? Since we are, you know, mortality and tea, cheers to your cup over there. Thank cheers. you. And what cheers. Is it, what's it say? We're, we're all mad here. We're all it's mad. It's my little Alice in Wonderland cup. <laughs> I love it. What are you drinking? Chai. Oh, nice. Nice. I thought for a second I had chai too, but I'm rooibos, rooibos, roi you pronounce it. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just dive right in there. Um, so we've got our cup of tea and now we're just gonna start talking about death. One yes. of my favorite topics. <laughs> so, Take me on a journey, if you will, Scotty. What would be your most ideal death? You know what? <laughs> so I've been thinking about this for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And my ideal death today is vastly different than what it would have been, let's say, four months ago. Mm -hmm. Because my ideal death used to be it was going to be some form of suicide. Okay. And, um, like I would play, like, what would that look like? How would I go about doing that? And I know how I tried to accomplish that. It's kind of sickening to call it a goal, but it was a goal that I had in 2016 before I got sober. Um, I'm like, is that the way I want to do that? Or do I want to do it this way? And it was so weird, like how much I was entertaining the, uh, the thought of what it would look like that it actually scared me a little bit because I could feel the pull to that. Um, and I was almost speaking it into existence, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. It does make sense. And uh, there was just a moment of, there was a small moment of clarity that I had. And I said, no, I have to take this off the table. Mm. Uh, so I did. I, I took it off the table. Now, does it still pop in there? Yep. There's still periods i don't know why i think the way that i do but i do but an ideal death for me today i have beautiful grandbabies i have beautiful yes, you do you know my family is is awesome they're they're a tremendous amount of support for me in my recovery mm -hmm. um 
I just want it to be as less chaotic as possible. I want it to be peaceful, you know? And if it happens to be in my sleep, I'm cool with that. If it uh, happens to be while I'm uh, running the bases because my grandson and I are playing wiffle ball or whatever, I'm cool with that. I mean, I'm sure it'll terrify them, but you know, um, wherever it is, I, I just want it to be in a peaceful environment, like either around my family or just sleeping. So you value it to be a peaceful experience. I do. I do. it. You know, and I'd be lying if I said it doesn't scare me a little bit, um, you know, but I've also accepted the fact that that's, that's part of life, you know, uh, and the biggest thing that helps me have acceptance with that is that dash on our tombstone, mm. because I use that dash to be a representation of what I want my legacy to be once I'm not here anymore. So dash being the date you were born dash the mm -hmm. date you die yeah so my whole story is in that dash so the beginning of it was you know ugh, kind of you know not really what most people would want to go through but the end of it like how how i persevered through these situations and matured a little bit more each year right um acquired some tools and you know did work on self that because that's all i want to do is just work on self mm -hmm. i want to continue to grow for the rest of my life until you know you get to a point where like okay i ran my race well deuces yes you know no i i know you from discussing this before and in your bio that you do suffer mental health issues mm -hmm. and so i really thank you for your vulnerability and discussing your suicidal thoughts that's not been a part of our show yet so this is really uh some cool stuff to dive into because I know you're not the only person who's ever had suicidal thoughts. Um, can you tell me any, do you, are you comfortable saying any more to that experience? Let's throw it all. Look, I'm, I'm transparent for this. So we're going to, let's get yeah. raw. Let's get naked. Let's, you know, yeah. <laughs> just throw it all out there. <laughs> so how long did you, explore that idea of suicide um well i can rewind all the way back to fifth grade okay yeah like i remember like i was very dysfunctional situation growing up okay. and it wasn't ideal and it wasn't it was just ugly and it wasn't you know wasn't anything that I asked for, but I, I, I can remember like I had said that I was going to kill myself. Mm. And like, I remember meaning that, like I was really passionate about it because I was just miserable. And I'm fifth, what, I'm 10 years old, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, I ended up getting put in like a, a, well, it was Dartmouth Hospital at the time on, on Salem Avenue. And they, you know, I, was, I was in there for like three months. At the age of 10? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my. Wow. Yeah. And then, wow. I, you know, I was put through uh, family counseling, and, you know, and the, the thing about family counseling, that it, it was brutal because what it was, was three adults gaining up on a child saying, this is your problem. This is what you're doing wrong. And it was like, I never had a voice. I never had a voice. And uh, I think that's why it's so important that we listen to our children today. I don't care how old they are. I don't care how old they are. They need somebody to hear them. And, uh, you know, I've, I've made a point for that, you know, and kids aren't still comfortable talking to adults about certain things because they still don't feel like that they have a voice. And it's, it's unfortunate. But, you know, um, you take that, that moment, like in fifth grade, 10 years old, and just fast forward, you know, I was in and out of hospitals because of that. And uh, it was just the thoughts have always existed. Mm -hmm. I've always, you know, I made a couple of attempts and then in 2016, it was by far, um, that was the moment when I had that extension cord around my neck at a park and I was getting ready to step off of the picnic table and my phone rang and it was a guy I hadn't talked to in four months and I answered it. I said, what's one more phone conversation? I mean, nobody knew what I was doing. I wasn't, I didn't tell anybody. Right. And he said, Scotty, I don't know why I'm calling you, but I wanted to see if you wanted to go to church with me. <laughs> I just remember looking up going, seriously, this, this is, 
okay. I have goosebumps. You know, so um, I said, well, if you want me to go, come and get me. Um, I threw the extension cord in the trash, and he picked me up. And I just I remember bawling like a baby um, in that church service. Like, I was just, mm. I was completely broke. Like, I've had a lot of rock bottoms, but all of my rock bottoms have had trap doors. And, um, mm. yeah, it was, uh, I got busy living at that point, but the, the thoughts never left, mm. you know. And it, that's just a natural thing for my mind, I think, is anytime a, a hard situation gets presented with me, that's immediately where my mind wants to take me. But today I'm a little bit stronger and I recognize it and I go, just, just stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's there, but yeah. So are you, you're able to quiet that? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Because I talk about it. My secrets will keep me sick. Mm-hmm. So I make sure that I don't, keep secrets so you shine a light on it you Mm -hmm. you bring it to the conversation and there are secrets that i've kept in recovery that's ended up being detrimental to my relationship and you know we get all these things back in recovery once you start doing the next right thing and then Mm -hmm. you know if you're not completely honest like the pain will travel through an entire family until somebody's ready to feel it you know yes yes um i i'm a believer of that too that we have generational trauma that we hang on to until somebody breaks it till somebody has the courage so yeah let me die playing wiffle ball i'd totally be cool with that (laughs) (laughs) yes yes oh that's a beautiful little vision right there um so that that was your first time that you had thought about death maybe your own death was at the age of 10 yeah okay contemplated your own death what was your first experience with death god that's such a great question i might add that to my repertoire of questions first experience um my freshman year of high school when i took a handful of pills and ate a whole bottle of advil then i got rushed to the hospital and had to have my stomach pumped and Mm -hmm. all that that was like that's probably the closest. I actually have come close multiple times in, in my active addiction, but um, I just never realized how close. Mm-hmm. But that that moment there was, yeah. Okay. And, and you know, if if I'm being honest, like in that that time, a lot of times we get we have consequences for our actions, and when we're aware that we have to deal with these consequences, like that was kind of like my fight or flight instinct my way of flying was, you know, checking out. And uh, I know, I understand today that if I can face these problems head on, that's where the most growth is going to take place internally. Right. I I was too immature back then. Maybe it wasn't even the immaturity, it was just timing. It wasn't time for me to understand that process yet. Right. Um, I don't know. It's weird. I'm 44 and I figured out more now than I have in my whole entire life. And I'm still trying to learn how to be an adult. <laughs> I have heard a very wise woman. I've heard what she said. She goes, you really don't grow up till you reach 40. I was like, okay. <laughs> it's about right. <laughs> you know, we've kind of simmered in some of these life experiences and traumas. And then we're like, oh, what, what is it that causes all that trauma to come flooding, though, during this period of, well, a period of my life? Because um, there's a tremendous amount of PTSD, PTSD and trauma that's starting to show, show its face, and it's actually contributed to the mental health piece. Um, you know, it, just, it was just um, three months ago that I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Right. And when I look back all the way back even to my youth like i'm looking at this and i'm like this all makes sense now this all makes perfect sense and i was actually if i'm if if i'm being honest i was being naive about it because my mother has it but for some reason ah, it'll skip me and then i was like well wait a minute you're an only child who's it gonna go to (laughs) you know so denial denial (laughs) so now that i you know i got the uh I hate to call it a label, but the diagnosis, you know, the understanding of what's really going on, like everything in my life makes so much more sense now. 
Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's these last three months, like there's been a lot I've been going through, but I've been able to like deal with it and grow through it because I have such a better understanding of the wiring up here. When was your first time that somebody passed away in your life that death became a part of your your consciousness? Oh, this happens. Do you know, do you remember when your first experience like that was when somebody or an animal or a person died that it became part of your consciousness and your awareness? So I don't know if you can remember this back in the day. Um, what was his name? He had a uh, leukemia, I think. Right. Yeah. He was the was... teacher in our middle school. His son died of. Yeah. Leukemia. Yeah. Was it Eric? Eric. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember like how that pain everybody had, like I, I witnessed all of that and how sad I was. And I remember like um, towards the end of his journey here, I had passed him in the hallway um, and then, you know, he was gone. And I, that was probably the seed that was planted for me as far as like trying to develop some understanding. Well, one, why does this happen? Um, two, okay, this does happen. Right. Uh, but it really hit in 2000 even more when my papa passed away because my papa was like my best friend. Mm. And uh, just to, to see how much of the glue he was for the family uh, when he left that glue fell apart and uh i had never witnessed anything like that um so much divisiveness that was created from his passing when there should have been unity and uh that was that was and to this day that device is it's still there you know and um for me there there will never be another papal mm-hmm. although I take what those times I had with him and I try to incorporate those into my relationship with my grandbabies today. Mm. Um, because if I'm being honest, I'm like the coolest papal ever, you know? <laughs> I imagine you are. How many grandchildren do you have? Five. Five. I could yeah. imagine you're really, really cool. Yeah, there is something. So, um, was the last week? It was the weekend before last. Um, I went over to my ex-wife's house, Erica, who is an amazing mother. I want to give her a shout out because she's, you know, I put her through some serious hell, and okay. she's got a story. Um, but anyway, she is an amazing woman. She really, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had all the the grandbabies and well, all that. Everybody was over there. Um, we were getting together for Parker's birthday. Um, he was turning, he had just turned eight and with the quarantine, we weren't able to, to get together, um, you know, like we were supposed to. And coincidentally, his birthday falls on the same day as my last day of drinking. So not only is he eight years old, but I've, it's been eight years since I've had a drink. Congratulations. Uh, thanks. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, uh, ooh. anyway, mm-hmm. I remember pulling up into the driveway and my, my granddaughter, like, uh, Gwen, um, she came running out like they all came running out to me and Gwen jumped in my arms and she's like, I've missed you. And, uh, that just melts to your heart because, uh, man, I don't know. It's, it's beautiful. I, I love my grandbabies. When I am, <laughs> when they're in my presence, they bring something out of me like this energy, mm. like that is my serenity. Mm. It is I have different types of serenity, but there's, there's a, it's a certain type of serenity that I have with them mm-hmm. um, that just, I don't know. It's beautiful. It's a, I don't know what that role is like. I know the role of being a parent, so it's mm-hmm. not the same role, huh? It's a very. It's different. It really is. You know, and I, I love my kids, but I mean, sorry, Austin, Maddie, uh, kind of love the grandbabies a little bit more. <laughs> You are a comedian, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, open, that's open to interpretation. Some people would be like, well, he's really not that funny. <laughs> uh, <you know. laughs> 
Oh, well, you are blessed for sure. For I really sure. am. Mm-hmm. I really am. Mm-hmm. But I, I lose I lose track of that sometimes when I get caught up in my up here. Mm-hmm. I forget how much gratitude I really do have in my life. So we have your ideal death experiences. You really value it to be as peaceful as as possible, whether it's playing t-ball or baseball with your kid, your grandchildren, or just in your sleep or whether on a deathbed, you just would rather it to be peaceful. That's yeah, preferably. Do you know how you would get to that peaceful space? Is it how you live your everyday life or is it in that moment? Ooh, that's, that's pretty deep mm-hmm. because um, that is my life. It's in moments, mm-hmm. you know, and every moment is kind of approached differently, but um today for me each moment that is presented to me that I'm in I do take a peaceful approach to it mm-hmm. so it's really like a matter of, of practice but there's also got to be um an element I I think an element of uh, submission like maybe you don't go through life having um this piece this tool knowing how to use this piece and then incorporate it into your life and instead like okay you just found out you have four days to live now you're freaking out because you're not ready to die Mm -hmm. but there's a moment that comes where you accept it Mm. and i think once that acceptance happens that's where the real peace comes in because you're just like okay i'm powerless over this situation right um but I get to choose how I want to deal with it. Um, I accept it. I'm not happy about it, <laughs> but I accept it. And um, because I've, I've heard stories of, of that scenario where people just weren't ready. And then all of a sudden it's like, they just had this moment of clarity where they were like, okay. Yes. You know, and then they're gone hmm yes so yeah I think for me like uh, <laughs> these tools that I've been provided through my higher power which I choose to call God and you know mother earth and a bunch of other you know whatever my my spirituality isn't just painted into one little corner like I want to be so open-minded about it that you know when I when I do have that I want all the peace that's <laughs> just I want all of it. Give it so, all I want to be buried with my seven chakras. And <laughs> <laughs> Is that part of the addictive personality? Just give it all to me. <laughs> give me all the peace. <laughs> that could be a form of instant gratification. Instant gratification, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know, in my studies with death and dying, it was going back to this acceptance bit, is um, there's those stages of grief that they talk about um that I've heard talked about and um really from what I'm understanding is that those stages of grief were not given to people for grieving it was for the people who were dying and the last stage you know you go through anger denial all of these things and the last stage is acceptance and that's a part of releasing and letting go and where peace is kind of acquired which um I learned that because when I was grieving I was like why can't I just accept this <laughs> you know it's 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 a different it's different anyway that's what I'll say about that so do we subconsciously go through those stages not even realizing we're going through those stages once we get to the point of acceptance mm-hmm. it's not like we just jumped all over it and said oh, here I am in acceptance like obviously we've had to experience those emotions Mm-hmm. to get to that point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe here's some of my spirituality creeping in it's part of our programming part of mm-hmm. how we were built like our inner wisdom is built into us acceptance is a part of this and um for me which is part of buddhism acceptance and then releasing and letting go really in death that's the last part you just release the the body yeah 
which, you know, with, with the program that I work in my recovery, which is, you know, in the form of Alcoholics Anonymous, like if you read through that big book, you're going to see there's there's pieces of all kinds of spiritual journeys in there. Like, you know, it's taken from Christianity and Buddhism and it's uh, that acceptance and letting go. That's a huge part of recovery, mm-hmm. accepting a situation and then, you know, not holding on to that because then that creates a resentment and the resentment's the number one offender to a relapse. Mm-hmm. So. Resentments are a bitch. Man, I know. I will let somebody <laughs> eat my lunch all day. <laughs> and they will not lose any sleep over it. <laughs> no, they won't. Isn't that a bitch? Yeah. He's scrolling yeah. through Facebook and I'll get involved in his why, why am I drinking this poison hoping they die? But they're over here laughing and having their best life right now. <laughs> oh, you were losing losing sleep over me? best part is when you go to making amends to them and they're like oh i had no idea does that bring another resentment what do you mean you had no idea <laughs> well i'm gonna go i'm gonna go lay in my bed all night and think about that now for a couple years <laughs> a couple years is right man i'll have one creep up i'm like is this trauma right now or is this just my- <laughs> Is this a resentment I haven't dealt with? Resentments are a bitch. Mm. They are. It is such a freedom to let go of resentments. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Let them go for sure. Oh, man. Okay, so we've gotten on to this piece. Now, what? Let, let's imagine. Um, okay. Let's imagine you were on a deathbed. You found your peace. You have expelled your final breath, the last breath out of this body. Your body is laying there. Is there anything in particular that you would want done with your body after you have left? Or if you believe that there is a you that has left, what would you want done with your body? Um, I used to be terrified of cremation. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that today. Like, and honestly, I'm actually, I'm okay with whatever they want to do with it. You know, if I still have a piece that's good for somebody else to benefit from, then let them have it, you you know? Um, Or if, you know, my body can help, uh, you know, help a tree grow, let me be the fertilizer for that. You know, and I kind of picture it as like, I'll end up having this outer body experience when I do pass, like my spirit would kind of leave and I'm just looking down at the shell of the man I used to be mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, maybe saying thank you. And as you're looking down at that shell of the man that used to be, would you want anything in that moment there? Like somebody to come and care for your body or I don't want to plant seeds, but is there you know, do you want somebody to pray over your body? Do you want wrapped in anything? Do I love the power of prayer. Um, I love it more so now than I ever have in my entire life. Mm. Um, and that can look different to anybody, however they want to do that. If somebody wants to come in and, you know, sprinkle me with some sage, you know, as their, whatever their prayer life looks like, you know, I'm just, I want, I want people to go in there and not feel like there's a heavy burden in there, but there's just peace. Mm. Like this, this dude lived his best life. It wasn't probably, it probably didn't look like the best to some people, but to him, that was his best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he did it well. I want to leave this earth a little bit better than what it was when I came into it. Mm. So I don't, you, I don't care. I could have 12 people in there and they're all praying differently. If, that, if that's what they want to do, let them do it. I'm so a free want, spirit. So you want it to be about what your family or friends want with your body at that moment. Yeah. Without the dysfunction. Yeah. You know, you very, you really value peace. This is something that has been a theme here in this mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah, I, the the peace has actually become my best friend because I've spent so much time in chaos, and uh, that that peace is like even today, that's a huge 
part of my medicine mm-hmm. for me. Um, I just choose not to get engaged in certain situations anymore because I don't, I don't like toxicity. I, I work in it every day in the treatment field. I see sick people coming in every day who are just cleaning on to life. They just need somebody because they don't have anybody, you know, and I want to be that one person for them because I, I burnt a lot of bridges back in the day and people walked away from me. They had to love me from a distance. Even today, people have given up on me if I'm being honest. You know, and that's, that's just, it's, I'm not salty about that. That's just the reality of the situation, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of that is just coping skills and lack of understanding. And that's, I don't blame them for that. I wish they had better understanding, but I can't, I can only make people understand through my actions. Sure. Words are nice, but you know, I'm the person that the, the, the Scotty you see on social media is the same Scotty that you see if we were to bump into each other at a dollar general. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I have flaws. Sure. You know, but the skeletons in my closet, uh, that's that closet's getting pretty cleaned out because I'm so transparent today that there's really, you can go in the closet if you want hang out in there. <laughs> so your closet's becoming a peaceful space. If you yeah, will. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Cool. So Okay, so you've died. Your body is left behind. What do you believe happens after you pass? Is there an afterlife? Is there, what do you believe happens after you die? I want to believe that there is an afterlife. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think it's, um, I don't don't think it's going to be what people think it is. You know, like, sure, like, you know, I've read this is what it could look like. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, is it, is that just a constant dream state that we stay in? I mean, your, your brain stops working. I don't know. It's weird. It's complex. Some things are meant to be beyond our understanding. And that's one of those ones where I'm just like, um, I want to believe that there is, um, a a heaven of some sort um and that can look different to everybody like i would love to believe that all the friends that i've lost in drug addiction and family members that i've lost and animals that i've lost that when i get up there that's who i'm gonna see Mm -hmm. um you know and if not then okay i'm not gonna be disappointed like if it's just lights out and that's it okay all right but a big part of me would love to, I would love immortality. Mm-hmm. I would love to live forever. That would be amazing, I think. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be a bag of bones. Like, what? Abraham was like 500 years old. And I'm like, I don't want to, like, what'd that look like? <laughs> 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 the visual is a little disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Oh, geez. Immortality. That's a hard concept to wrap my brain around. Yeah. Like, if if we had to choose at what point immortality started, could I get to a certain age to where I look my best? And just, okay, let's stop it right here and just keep this this forever. But here's the thing. We get so caught up in image that it's not even about the image. Mm -hmm. Do you like growing old? Do you like growing old? Uh, I think so. I, although it kind of blows my mind that I'm 44 years old because my brain still feels like it's 18. And then I sneeze and get a Charlie horse. And I'm like, nope, I'm 44. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely 44. <laughs> I think uh, the one thing I do love about where I'm at in my age is that so much has been revealed to me in such a short amount of time. 
um, that I've been doing this uh, recall. And it's not like, um, it's not a recall of regret, but it's like, man, I wish I could have grasped this at a younger age. Um, but I also understand that I had to go through some things in my life that maybe it wasn't necessarily according to his plan, but you know, the beauty of free will, it's a blessing and a curse, um, that he, he knew that this was the, the path I was going to go down, but he also knew that there was going to be a purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like I see, and that was my biggest question. I, I remember I was eating dinner with Erica one, one day at Fridays and we were like, I was 20, we were like 22, 23 years old. And I can, re- I don't know why this is stuck in my head, but I looked at her and I said, I refuse to accept this is the way our life is going to be for the rest of our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we were struggling with that. And we've always struggled because I created a toxic environment and then you throw codependency in there and oh man, it's a, whew, it's not pretty. Um, the, the word dependencies and codependency for a reason. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but like my idea of that at the time was more from a materialistic standpoint, mm. but looking back now to where I'm at now, looking back then to where I'm at now, um, it's not even about the materialistic part of it. Like I'm not who I was then. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's the thing like if people got to know the scott now like this is the scott that was always meant to be forever my entire life this is who i was supposed to be mm-hmm. but i had to go through uh some pretty pretty dark times to uh to get to that point and that and I, okay if anything frustrates me it's a fact that i have to learn the hard way i don't know why I choose that, but (laughs) (laughs) I literally have to get punched in the face and be like, Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. But so this then is it. So there was a part of you that has died away already. Oh yeah. Yes. So that occurs (laughs) throughout a lifetime too. You know, and that's actually, that's a huge part of my story when I'm sharing my story is that, uh, yeah, the old Scott, I wouldn't say he's necessarily dead. He's just in a coma. Um, Because if I'm being honest, I'm eligible for a relapse just like anybody else's. Okay. You know, the biggest, the biggest thing for me though, is like, I I definitely have another relapse in me, but I'm not so sure I have another recovery in me. So that's a strong motivator for me to stay on this path that I'm on. And I have been dealt with so many situations in my journey in recovery that it's like, there's a lot of people who they would have used that to justify relapse. Mm. And um, what I do when that crops up, it's not that I entertain the idea of a relapse. I go, that's not an option because that's too easy. That is too easy. Um, I love growing today. I love learning experiences. And no matter how ugly and uncomfortable it gets, I embrace all of those moments. Mm. And they're painful. And it's riddled with anxiety. And you want to scream at the top of your lungs and you cry. And sometimes you're laughing. And it's like, I don't know, it's, it's a cleansing, so to speak. A cleansing. Uh, yeah, because I'm able to look a little bit deeper inside and go, okay, what is my, what is my part in this situation that is happening right now? You know, most of the time, like I have a huge part in it, you know, otherwise the circumstance wouldn't have been created in the first place Mm. Um, because I get to choose how I want to react to things that come my way and how I want to address certain things. And Mm. if I put my hands and myself in a situation, I will make a mess, complete mess. Like I have to, um, like I, I found my power, I have my power, but I have to be understanding that I am powerless in situations. Um, I have this wiring that I'm a fixer. I like to fix things. So I'll just jump in and try and fix it. And usually what happens, it's like, uh, you know, if I can date, use a dated reference, it's like, home improvement, Tim, the tool man, Taylor, you know, he just blows his house up or something, you know, it's, uh, 
it's like that. I make a mess. Mm -hmm. I make a mess. I love so hard that I make a mess. <laughs> does that make any sense? It does. It does. Yes. Yes. Constantly, like, I'll overthink a situation. I'll overthink, overthink, overthink. And then when I learn the hard way, mm -hmm. then I go, okay, let's take a huge step back from this. Let's open this up and let's take a look at what, oh, okay, so let's take a look at this piece right here. Oh, yeah, that's, I really shouldn't have carried that piece with me. I don't, I don't need that piece because if I have, if I'm holding on to this piece, I have no peace. Um, mm. I don't know. There's a perspective you could throw to it to where I could act like, oh, woe is me, but it's not like that. It's not a, it's not a pity party. It's, mm. it's a, it's a teaching moment. That make any sense? Because sometimes I feel like, what is coming out of my mouth right now? This is weird. <laughs> You're spewing wisdom. It's great. <laughs> uh, no, 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 thank you. I appreciate that. Our next questions, these last two questions can, well, I, for me, I feel like they're kind of a doozy. It's asking to go into a, a pretty vulnerable space, but do you have anything you regret not doing like say you were to die today you're running on the baseball field with your grandkids and you collapse today would you have anything you you regret not doing so far in this life uh, okay so if i had a biggest regret like all of this love that i have now that just overflows in abundance onto others that i come into contact with I wish I would have acquired that earlier. That's it. Mm. And it's not a regret to where like, I'm like, Ugh, you know, it's just, man, I wish things would have clicked a little bit differently. Mm. Yeah. Look, I understand like this is, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be at right now, but I don't know, could have been a better father. Definitely could have been a better husband. I regret not um, being the man that was expected of me at an early age. Uh, I have to hold on to that stuff, not to punish me, but just to motivate me to be better than I was yesterday. Um, because there's, there's so much of that in the past that that's all people know me from. That's it. You know, like, like seriously, like, there was a group of us that just used to kick it all the time. It was like a brotherhood and it was, it's dissolved. You know, I created so much madness that people couldn't, they had no choice but to love me from a distance. Mm. You know, I lost a best friend to this, you know, and to this day, I, I think about him every single day, you know, he picked me up from jail in 2012. And, uh, you know, he, he lit a fire under my ass. He, he really, he ripped me a new one, you know, during that period. And he was right. You know, my motives were a little off at that time. And he called me out on it. Mm -hmm. And after he called me out on it, he walked away. But he had to do that for his own peace. And I understand that. Right. Right. But I still love him. Mm -hmm. Like if I saw him today, I'd hug him and just be like, man, I've missed you. You know? I don't hate anybody today. I'm just sad. What are you sad about? Squandered opportunities. Things that were presented to me to take full advantage of, to grow from, and I took them, I took so much for granted. Mm. So much. Even in recovery, I did that. You know, and it's painful, but there's growth through that because I recognize it and I know what not to do. And if it starts to creep up again, I can see it. I can address it and uh, not avoid it, but just prevent it, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything you regret having done in your life? Something you'd be like, man, I totally regret doing that. And I guess the point of these questions is, is to say, 
man, I am going to, from this day forward, try not to live with regrets and try to do everything that I wanted to do. Well, the beautiful thing you said in that was learning experiences because there there has, I've flipped it and all of those regrets because, you know, in in these rooms of recovery that I'm in, it's like we, we learned to not regret the past or shut the door on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So instead I look at it, like you said, absolutely the learning experiences. I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I didn't have those regrets because I've had to look at all of those. I've had to process it. Um, and, uh, sorry, let's get a message, um, and learn from it, mm-hmm. you know, and that whole, I want to be better than I was yesterday is the, every night I lay my head on my pillow. I do an inventory of my day. Mm-hmm. Do I owe somebody an apology? What did I do that I could have done better? And ultimately I was successful because it may not have looked pretty, but I was sober. I went to bed sober. And I know I'm going to wake up. I don't know I'm going to wake up <laughs> tomorrow. But if I do, I know I will be sober when I do wake up. Um, and I'm very quick to give gratitude for another breath. Um, because I have taken so much of my life for granted that I don't want to take my life for granted. Um, I'm here for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't come this far just to get this far. Mm-hmm. There are um, there's people out there who who need me. They need my experience, strength, and hope. They they need to know that they're not alone. They need to know that they have somebody in their corner. And I want to I want them to know that I am in their corner, no matter how ugly it is or what the circumstance was that got them to where they're at in their life. And this doesn't have to be with substance use. This could just be life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, because addiction gets painted into a corner, but addiction is so broad. It can be anything. We can be addicted. Have you tried eating one donut? It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched a bag of donuts go out of this house so quick. <laughs> and those bags of carrots are just sitting there. <laughs> So I'm, I don't know. Um, I'm very grateful to be where I'm at in my life today. And I'm just, I do get over it. So look, I know I talk about how I'm sad a lot, but I have a tremendous amount of happiness too. And I carry both of those with me. And it's just so weird. I can't explain it to anybody because they just, I don't know if it makes any sense, but I can be sad and happy at the same time. I can love and feel the pain of love at the same time. I carry, I don't, that's weird. I don't know. I don't know. But they're, somebody asked me the other day it's like it's been eight years since you drank can you even drink again i'm like probably not and they're like why not i was like because i'll smoke crack mm-hmm. and they were like that's a little extreme i'm like i know <laughs> no why that happens it just happens <laughs> so i can't i'm not gonna do it <laughs> um you know but it uh i'm just very very grateful to to be where i'm at because where I was at, it was kind of like I was, um, so I love the Joker, right? Mm, yes, yes. And you have a big tattoo of this on your back. I, I do. And I'm so drawn to him because he's just a mess. But through all of that mess, he actually has a caring heart. He does care. Um, and it's it's weird to, to see, like, even in some of the cartoons, if you watch him, like, you can you can see, you can feel like there's a soft spot that he has in there, but it's, you know, his ego kind of gets in the way a little bit. That's my biggest regret right there is let my ego get in the way of some things because ego yep. is, yeah. um, but you know, during that, I have the superpower, right? Mm-hmm. And it's called manipulation. Oh and, yeah. Uh, you know, back in the day, like that was my best tool. I could manipulate a shirt off of somebody's back or I could, I could manipulate them into giving me money so I could go and get my fix like I needed to. And it was a piece Mm -hmm. of cake, right? Have no intention of paying them back. But today I use that manipulation for good. 
So what I do is I manipulate you into believing in yourself and into um, loving yourself and to knowing that you are capable of more than what you give yourself credit for. And it is so much better on this side of the fence um, because (laughs) you're using the power for good, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know, Amy. I don't know either. I will go back. I want to go back just for a second when you were talking about being sad and Mm -hmm. joyful at the same time. And as far as mental health goes, um, for me in depression, that was something. It was like, this sadness doesn't belong. And the more I tried not to be the sad, the more it made me sad. And I feel like when I've learned that it all belongs, all of those feelings, the sadness, the joy, the more we try to run away from them, the more we try to run away from death, the more we try to run away from life, the more we deny it, what the juiciness of what it all is there for us. And so um, it all belongs. The joy yeah, because where, where is the growth going to take place if we don't have any sort of negativity in our life? Oh, Yeah. That's where the most growth happens, if we allow it. Mm -hmm. This positivity movement can be rather corrosive. (laughs) It's very, to me, it's rather dangerous. Like it, this negativity belongs. Mm -hmm. Fear, no. I, well, that's not fair. Well, there's healthy fears. I'm standing in the middle of the road and a car is coming at me. I better have this fear for a moment so I get the fuck out of the way. Yeah, that's a healthy fear. (laughs) Right, but to be afraid of... Change? What are people going to think of me? What is is it, you know, the the irrational fears. Fears in a brief moment are very important, but... Um... But it all belongs. I think that's where I was getting it. It all belongs. It does. Sorrow, the joy, the all of it. And death. Death belongs too. Yes, it does. I'm very proud of you, by the way. I I think that's really cool that you have that set of skills. And it's it's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. First, I'd like to thank Scotty Mays for spending time with me to explore his own death experience and i'd like to thank his family for sharing him with us Um, this was a great conversation something i took away from it was having peace having trying to live days in peace and moments in peace so that when we do pass away um, for him his value is to have it as a peaceful experience Um, One other thing I took away from this is a quote from Scotty Mays is some things are meant to be beyond our understanding. With that, I leave you. Thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful, rich and juicy life. (laughs) Bye bye. Mortality and Tea with Amy.